All right, guys, how are you going? Welcome to the latest episode of The Heat Locker. My name's Luke Martin, and hopefully if you've been listening to any of our other podcasts up until this point, hopefully we're kind of still progressing along those lines of improving our audio quality. Uh, today it's just going to be me in the sauna here, and um, we've just got a topic. It's probably not going to be the longest podcast we've done, but I've got a topic I want to talk about, and I'm going to go through that. Uh, just a quick quick shout out to Endless Combat. Those guys uh, sponsor us here at the podcast. They look after us. They, um, they're, they're the people who we utilize for all our gym training shorts. They've got fantastic training apparel, rash guards, shirts, jumpers, hats, you name it. Jump on their website, endlesscombat.com. And if you use the promo code HEATLOCKER10, you'll get a 10% discount. Uh, and my, my name's Luke, I, I introduced myself previously, but uh, I'm the head instructor here at Sydney West Martial Arts, we're a martial arts academy out in Penrith, and we, we focus predominantly on, on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a first degree first degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and um, I just kind of wanted to go through that just for people that didn't know, because I'm going to talk today a little bit about mat hygiene and how to train, how to keep yourself training regularly and consistently and uh, hopefully I can speak from a position of experience just from spending kind of the last 14 years on the mats just, just trying to um, trying to get better, you know. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about hygiene in, in particular. We're going to talk about not so much what the academy owner can do. Uh, most of those people hopefully are doing the right things but what we're going to look at is uh, more, more what you can do as an individual. This is aimed at everybody, but in particular, it might be aimed at the white belts, the people who are brand new, the people who are starting out, and you just don't know. You don't know what the correct procedures are. I'm going to c- kind of give you a little bit of a playbook on what to do. Um, it's not necessarily going to be in any particular order. We're just going to work through some of the common common issues and problems that we find arise. So generally, I want to, I want to preface this with... Generally, I'm just trying to adjust my mic here. Generally, you'll find jujitsu training is going to be something that's going to be life changing for you. It's going to improve your mental well being, it's going to improve your physical fitness. You just overall, we find that very few people do jujitsu and then and then sort of regret that move. Now, in saying that, if you're um. If you're finding that you're catching things off your mats or you're getting sick or any of these things, these are probably more so because yourself or your training partners aren't adhering to maybe some of the general hygiene stuff that, that we've got to do. Just, um, you know, we're literally we're literally on top of each other each day we train. Literally, we're on top of each other. There's not many other things that we do where, where that's the case. And you know what, guys? I'm going to have to put you on hold for half a second while I run and get something to take my mic because I'm losing it. Bear with me. Alright, I think our mic dropped as I took off there. I've I've got every roadie's special tool, which is some gaffer tape, and we're gonna fix that right up. We might not have the biggest budget in the world here, but you would think I could get a mic stand, wouldn't you? Maybe that's something that I will put a little bit of time into and invest the $30. So as I was saying, 
if we can't keep on top of the hygiene side of things, we can definitely affect our our time training. So we're going to talk about what some of the things you can do, how, how you uh, can look after your training gear, how you can look after yourself. Um, so I want to start with I want to start with um, you know, I really want to preface that generally not many things are caught from each other, right? Um, we'll go into some of the things that do come up, but it's I'm not trying to scare people into thinking that oh maybe I shouldn't do jiu-jitsu, I'm going to catch all these things. It's it's surprisingly I think you'd probably catch more things walking through the local um, you know the local shopping mall. But what we want to do is just really take away any likelihood of of catching anything that we don't need to, especially things like skin stuff that can be transferred across like skin infections and stuff, stuff that there's just no need for, right? So um, I want to start with fingernails and toenails, something that doesn't get enough um, enough talk about. And you probably get told, oh, you keep your nails short, but I think a lot of people still just let it, let it get to a point where it's out of control. So if you look at your fingernails right now and you can see a white bit at the end of them, I suggest that that should be really cut off. You should have fingernails cut short where there's no sharp edges. So get a pair of clippers, don't bite them. They should be nice and rounded and they should be short so that when you're grabbing someone's wrist or grabbing the back of someone's neck or grabbing inside someone's gi, that you're not scratching them with your nails. It's totally unacceptable and there's no excuse for, for scratching people, right? And the thing is, you, you scratch someone, it's not the end of the world, they're not going to bleed out from a little scratch, but... They've now got an open wound, and then if you've got someone else who's, you know, being grubby, and there's, there's just like an entry spot for, for things to get in. So fingernails and toenails are a important starting point. Um, it's easy to forget about toenails, but Mike Winklejohn, who's a, who's a famous uh, mixed martial arts coach, a striking coach, he actually only has one eye because he was holding pads for a fighter who missed the pad kicked and and sliced literally sliced his um his eye with the with his toenails and they couldn't save his eye now that's very rare and that does not happen often but short nails would, would definitely make a difference to all this stuff so get yourself in, in your gym bag you should have yourself geared up in your gym bag one of the things you should have is not just your training gear but you should have your hygiene stuff and clippers toenail clippers probably and toenail scissors um i would highly recommend um, when you're cutting them, a lot of people tend to do it at training because that's when they think about it. That's okay, but make sure you're not just doing it on the floor. I'm sure that the gym owners out there don't want to be having to pick up your toenails or fingernails off the floor each night. So find a bin or do it at home outside or whatever, but get those, get them cut. Probably once a week you'll find is going to be enough. If you have to cut it any more than once a week, you've probably got some healthy growth going on there. That's good and all power to you. Um, but if you know once a week you'll find probably you know if you make it a Monday thing they're, they're going to be fine throughout training. The other thing is if you've got shorter nails, you're going to find when you're grabbing, particularly in the gi, if you're grabbing sleeves and collars, they they don't bend back over. And there's nothing worse than having long nails. You grab and they bend back over and you actually end up injuring yourself. So nails cannot stress enough. It's not an option. Everybody must keep them short every week. Um, as far as your clothing. Um, Clothing can kind of encompass a few things. Obviously, it can encompass your gi and your belt is, is the more obvious one. But then you've got things like rash guards, shorts, uh, knee pads, and then we could also go all the way into um, clothing or protective gear such as shin guards, mouth guards, um, elbow pads, gloves, and um, all of this fits under that banner of sort of things that go on your body that you're going to be putting on your training partners as well that you need to keep to a high level of 
high standard of hygiene, I should say. So let's start out with gi and belt. Um, obviously, gi and belt, you, you only get one wear out of your gi. So whether you did a session and you only did one round and then you had a rest and you didn't roll anymore, there's no getting two rounds out of your gi, as far as I'm concerned. If you're at a place that allows you to do that, hey, that's up to you, but I would be very careful about um, catching things from places like that because obviously they're, they're not putting a a big emphasis on keeping the place clean and keeping your, you guys clean. So if you wear your gi you, you, that day, regardless of how much you're doing it, it goes in the wash, not just aired out on the balcony. That's not fair to your train, next training partner that's got to deal with you who has a smelly gi or has a gi that has some bacteria growing on it because you have been grubby. So cannot stress that enough. Um, I mean, that's difficult if you're doing things like traveling, but you're going to have to just, that's why most people that train a fair bit have multiple gis. Um, so that's a big thing when you're washing the gi and I'll this really goes across all of your washable training gear I suggest to wash it by itself don't necessarily throw it in with all your general clothing wash it by itself if it's if you get the chance we want to do a hot wash but if you're hot washing your gi you need to be very careful about shrinkage so I don't hot wash my gis I hot wash all my other training gear as best I can it does reduce the lifespan of it slightly but it I feel like it does a better job of killing whatever things are on the, uh, whatever little nasties are on that clothing. So hot wash. I suggest um, using, obviously, washing powder, but I also utilize a product called Caniston. I have no affiliation to them. I just found them. They're an antibacterial, antifungal, I think they are. And it's, you can buy it from your local supermarket. It's like a yellow yellow lid with a white kind of container canister it's in the laundry with the laundry detergents grab that put in a cap full of that on each wash as well and i find that that'll not only give it it's not so much about the scent but it does it's got a nice enough smell but it's mainly about the fact that it will kill whatever uh, whatever nasty stuff whatever bacteria might be growing now when it comes to washing it what 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 a habit is because we tend to train at night people chuck their maybe they chuck their gear in their car or in their training bag and then they get it out. Some people maybe even just wash at the end of the week, which is really not good whatsoever. Guys, wash as soon as you can. So if you get home at 10 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night, just chuck, even if you just chuck it in the machine straight away. Um, from there, don't let it sit in the machine for two days. Make sure you're getting it out and onto the line as soon as possible. Because if you leave it in the machine, then you're going to end up with a smelly yee once again. Um, these are all things that are going to affect your training partners who have to train with you. I can't stress enough. You don't want to be the guy that no one wants to train with because you smell funny, because you're funky, because you're gross. Um, and I think I would like to think that most gym owners and, and guys who are running classes out there are hopefully being upfront with people and telling people if their if their hygiene's not up to scratch. Because from my point of view, it's not fair. It's not fair for other people to have to train with that individual. Maybe they don't feel comfortable in telling them about that. So. Uh, gym owners and, and guys who are running classes out there, I suggest that you get on top of that yourself. It can be a, it can be a difficult conversation to have someone, but I think it's a, a necessary conversation to have with people. If you get someone who's continually uh, being untidy, messy, unkept nails, dirty gee, it really gets to a point where you need to make a decision. Is that person contributing to your mat or are they a detriment towards your training partners and yourself? So have a think about that. A lot of the time, these tend to be maybe newer people to jiu-jitsu because they don't know quite as much on the hygiene side of things. And, uh, you know, it doesn't affect me. I'm a black belt. I train with predominantly the color belts and uh, color belts and other black belts. 
But uh, it's not fair for me to think, well, there's another white belt out there that's going to have to train with this guy and, and he's grubby. So keep on top of your hygiene with your gi. Make sure then, once you've washed it, that you line dry it where possible. So if you chuck it in the dryer, that's okay. But what you will find, again, with shrinkage, most gis are made of cotton and you're going to find they shrink and then you're going to get a gi that's maybe two or three sizes smaller than when you bought it. So I, I highly recommend, if you don't need to shrink your gi, that you only line dry it. And if you can, get it out in the sun. So sometimes people line dry just in their living room or something. If it's raining, that's totally understandable. But if you've got a sunny day, get your gi out on the line, and that's going to kill a lot of the nasty stuff that, that'll hang around on it if you leave it damp and, and, and um, not drying correctly. As far as the belt is concerned, this is a bit of a, bit of a, a crossroads for some people. So there's two trains of thought, particularly for the beginners, you might not know this. There's two trains of thought out there. There's the train of thought that uh, everything gets washed the same. It's a belt, just gets chucked in the wash, everything gets washed. Perfectly fine, that makes perfect sense. Belt gets dirty, chuck it in the wash. Then there's the other train of thought that's more of an old school mentality, but it's 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 definitely something that happens, um, is that you don't wash your belt. Your belt, this was always taught to me, your belt's something a little bit um, special that you need to um, treat that way and it doesn't get chucked in the wash and that's fine if that's what you believe just remember that does mean that your belt is going to be more susceptible to being I suppose dirtier than someone who's washing their belt what I would suggest if you don't want to wash your belt is that you at least air it out after each training session and if you can air it out in the sun have it hanging over a balcony or something that something where sun can hit it and it's going to dry, dry out particularly if you're a sweaty person um, I find generally my belt doesn't get saturated, but some people sweat a lot and their belt gets wet too. You might have to consider washing your belt or at least drying it till it's well, not just rolling it back up in your gym bag and chucking it in where it's in darkness and where that suits for things to grow on it. So think about it. That's something that's going to touch other people when you're training, so you need to look after it and be on top of it. Now, as far as we're talking about rash guards, shorts, um, knee guards, all that type of thing, those just need to be put in a hot wash where you can um, same thing with the canister and the laundry powder and line dried as often as possible. You'll find that um, most of this, there should be no smell once you wash them. They should smell fresh. If you've got training gear that you find that you've washed it and it just you just can't get a, the smell out of it, that might be time for that piece of clothing to go in the bin. There's, there's a definite lifespan on things and obviously it depends on the quality and what material they've used. But I... I'm a big believer that you've just got to you've got to you've got to let some things go, and some people get really attached to rash guards or shorts, and they're like, "Oh, I've had this for five years." Look, if you've trained as consistently as you should train, if you want to get good, things nearly shouldn't last you that long. Like you should find after a few years that things are definitely getting uh, getting getting worn out, and and particularly if you've only got a few items of, let's say you've only got two rash guards. They're going to be a f on a faster rotation than someone who's got six rash guards. So I would just um, you know make a decision if something's just at the point where you can't bring it back anymore. Be happy just to just to get rid of it and just collect you know buy another one. Um, I always generally recommend you buy rash guards uh, to your belt rank. Obviously for competition that helps, but I think it's also nice in the academy to be able to see who's what rank. Some people might not believe that, but I think it's handy. Like we do a lot of no gi here, and I like to be able to look. I know when I look across the room, but I like if you come in, it should be easy for you to look and go, okay, that guy's a purple belt, that guy's a blue belt. I think that's definitely, obviously in the gi, we can do that easily because of our belt. And in no gi, I think if you can have a rank, ranked rash guard, I think that's definitely preferable. And 
I find nowadays most gym owners are getting their own custom rash guards made for their academy. So if you can, always support your support your academy with um you know with their logo on it and, and equipment that they obviously trust because they bought it for you. So that's something that I recommend. Um, so we're line drawing all that stuff. As far as your other training gear, things like gloves, whether it's 16s, um, 7 ounce gloves or 4 ounce gloves, whether it's shin guards, groin guard, all that sort of stuff. If you, you can't put them in the washing machine. If you put your, the only thing you can put in the washing machine might be the jock strap of the groin guard. They can generally be washed. But everything else, if you can put, if you put your gloves in the washing machine, it's going to ruin them. So they just need to be, they need to be, after you take them off at training, what you can't do is just stuff them in your gym bag and then get them out again in a few days when you train again. That's, think about all that sweat and all that bacteria just growing in a dark, warm bag. That is really bad. Okay, so you need to, if, if um, you know, when you get home, get them out of your bag, put them in a spot where they're in a sunny area or at least an outside area where they can, where they can um, have some airflow through them. And I also recommend getting a, uh, a can of uh, Glen 20 or some variation of that and spraying the insides and outside with them, okay? Because, yes, the insides are going to be your hands are going to go back in there, but the outsides, let's say gloves, you might be sparring with people. Those gloves are going to be against other people's skin. It's not fair for you to have those things being gross. So it sounds like I'm being over the top, but all these routines are really easy to, to set yourself. And once they're, once they're set, it doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't cost a lot of money, and it means that you'll be able to keep training regularly and consistently and, and, and healthily and happily and so will your training partners. So I just, um, maybe not enough, there's maybe not enough talk about this and so not enough people know, they just don't know. So hopefully this will help anyone that's not too sure. Right, so equipment, I mean, even things like mouth guards, guys. If you wear a mouth guard for rolling or if you wear a mouth guard for sparring, which most people would if they're sparring, I would, um, I would recommend at minimum rinsing your mouth guard out in warm to hot water afterwards. I see a lot of time people take their mouth guard straight out and slot it straight into their mouth guard holder and that gets chucked in their gym bag. And then next time it comes out is the next day or the day after when you get it out again with all the same germs you just had in your mouth before except they've all grown and then you put it back in your mouth and then you know, that's going to be a big one that's probably just going to affect you, not your training partner. So rinse out the mouth guard, guys. If you really want to go above and beyond every week or so, you can buy you can buy like denture cleaner. It's really cheap. It's at, it's at um, the local supermarket. And maybe even once a week, just chuck your mouth guard in some denture cleaner just so it gives it a bit of a clean. What I wouldn't do is put it in boiling water. Um, I did this even with a, uh, a dental mouth guard, one of the expensive ones that are made for your mouth, and uh, I ruined it. So don't put any, any of the mouth guards in boiling water. It'll, it'll take them out of shape, but definitely keep them clean. Now, as far as showering, I... I, uh, I I grew up coming through a gym that didn't have shower facilities, which is very common. Most, It's only nowadays as, as the sport and martial arts are getting more popular that academies can, can afford to have places that have nicer fit-outs that include things like shower, shower blocks. But if there isn't a shower unit at your gym, what I suggest is you shower as soon as you can after training. The quicker you can shower, the less likelihood of you catching something off the mats or off your training partners. What you don't want to do is, you know, you hang around and chat for a couple of hours after training, then you get home and you have your dinner and you sit around and maybe it's four or five hours and then you have a shower before bed or before your next session. That's um, that's how I think you're running the gauntlet a little bit. So if, the, if your academy has showers, I recommend jumping in and having a shower. It only has to be quick. Um, get the correct 
stuff to clean yourself with. So there's a few different brands. There's an Australian brand that I recommend called Full Guard. It's owned by an Australian jiu-jitsu player, a young guy. If you want to get his product, jump on their Facebook page and have a look. It's um, you know, it's antibacterial, all the all the good stuff that's in it. There's another one called Defense Soap, which is an American-based brand. They do bars and they do a gel as well. Something like that. I find that just normal soap doesn't necessarily do the same job. So I would recommend some type of antibacterial or any fungal soap if um, if you have that ability. And uh, even if you only do it after jiu-jitsu training, let's say you buy yourself a bottle and you only use it after you've done jiu-jitsu or, or martial arts training, if you want to save that, if you don't want to have to use it every time you shower. I would highly recommend showering as soon as possible after training. I think that that makes a huge difference to getting any nasties that you might or any germs that are on your skin, getting them off your skin before they get a chance to do anything. Uh, right. Just looking through my list. Now, we'll, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not really working in any particular order here. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jumping around this, uh, the place a little bit. If you have any cuts or grazes or sores or anything that you're not sure of, right? So let's say you say you have a little, you have a cut on your on your forearm. Um, that that cut, obviously, if it just happened, you need to address it. You can't be bleeding on your training partners. So uh, let's say you cut yourself during training. Most academies, if they're good, should have some type of first aid kit where you can sort that out and put some type of band aid on it, and obviously clean the mat with the the medical grade. Um, cleaning solution to get that off the mat you can't just leave that that's that's unacceptable now what i see from most people particularly guys who haven't trained a lot they get a little cut on the hand or on their on their arm or whatever they go and put a band-aid on it and they think they can go back to training now the problem is you're going to go back into training and within half a second that band-aid is going to get pulled off and now you're back to having an open wound so i think everybody in their gym bag if we're talking about what you should have in your kit obviously we talked about clippers before and scissors I would also suggest a pack of Band-Aids, chuck a pack of Band-Aids that cost nearly nothing, and some sports tape. The sports tape is what you will wrap over the top of the Band-Aid a couple of times around whatever limb or whatever wherever the cut is, and that will actually keep it all together. If you want to keep training, which is fine, if you've got a little scratch, you shouldn't have to stop training, but you need to cover it up. Otherwise, one Band-Aid is, the, 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 the adhesive glue on Band-Aids is not enough to, make, to just stay on your skin. So everybody should have their own tape in their gym bag. I often get students come up to me and say, oh, can I have some tape? And, you know, I have to politely kind of say, well, no, if I provide everybody with tape that's after tape, I'd be going through probably $100 of tape each week. So tape is something that you need to just account for yourself. They're about 10 bucks for a roll of good tape and keeping your gym bag will last you for months unless you're actually taping up your knees or your ankles or anything like that. As far as just for cuts and bruises, it'll be fine. Um, so any cuts or anything great, anything open, make sure you've got it covered. It's not fair if your training partner have to deal with that. Um, as far as any sores or little red dots or anything that you're not sure of, anything that's not normally there, don't just err on the side of, she'll be right, I'll jump in and it's probably nothing too bad. If you've got a little dot there that looks like an ingrown hair, but it's not quite an ingrown hair and you, you think, ah, oh, that's not normally there. Guys, I suggest going to your to your coach and just saying, look, do you, what do you think this is? Is this something I should worry about? Um, I'm not trying to say that your coaches are, are doctors, but what I will say is they probably know more about skin infections than a lot of doctors do. They've probably seen more of them and they'll go, yep, oh yeah, that, yep, you've got a ringworm there. That's a fungal infection. You treat it with some uh, any fungal, that'll clear up in two days, but you need to make sure you're not training. Whatever, the, whatever it is, right? If you go to your local doctor, 
before you know it, he's got you on antibiotics and you're sending you for an MRI and you just, you know, some of these people don't necessarily have your best interest at heart or they just physically don't know. So that's what I would do. If it's anything you're not sure of, of course, always seek your medical medical help. But if it's something that you just, um, you know, you think is not making you unwell, but you just want to have a look, uh, I would get your coach to look at it. And your coach will be very upfront with you. Generally, what I'll say is, look, um, you know, it might be this, but get it checked out. Or look, I think it's that, but I don't want you training today. And I don't want you training until it's cleared up. So that's important. What, I, what you can't do is just think, she'll be okay, I'll train. And then before you know it, three other people have come up to me with red spots. I didn't even know that you had something. And then we've got something getting around an academy where it should not have happened in the first place. Okay, So there's just a little bit, we're all adults, there's a little bit of ownership there where we've got to look after each other. And if we're all doing that, we're going to have no issues. Now, training I've trained in the States, in America, and definitely I find like it's a bigger issue over there. There's more people on the mats. And I think that some of the germs and bugs they've got over there are more prolific. Um, so I think they, they've there's a lot wrestling's been a big part of their culture a lot longer. I think all these little things that come on in contact with people's skin from the mats is something that's definitely there's more of over there, things like staff and stuff like that. And I feel like it happens more over there. I don't know that they I feel like their hygiene practices are probably just as good as ours, but there's just more of it. So if you're traveling overseas, guys, be be hyper-cautious. Be really careful. Make sure you're wearing your shoes everywhere through all the bathroom areas. Um, I mean, any decent academy, that should be the case anyway, that you're wearing your shoes through areas that aren't on the mats, particularly bathroom areas. Um, but, yeah, I can just speak for that, that training overseas, even if it's a big academy that's that's uh, quite prestigious, you still might find that they're, they're not... Maybe they're not on top of their hygiene side of things. Maybe they've got the best coach in the world, but maybe there's no one there looking after the the fact that we need to keep everyone healthy. So as far as training with any sores or anything, I would um, err on the side of caution. Ask your coach before you do anything. As far as cuts and things like that, make sure you get it covered up. Easy. Um, the, the main things, if we talk about the main things that kind of come up as far as skin infections, I would say... The main thing um, that academies are worried about is ringworm. It's a little fungal infection. And what it looks like is kind of like a little pimple with a circle around the outside of it. And it might discolor slightly. And it's not it's it's not the end of the world. You are going to find that it's a little bit itchy. And what it is is quite contagious. And if you if you aren't careful and you allow that to then if you if you keep training, for instance, and um, you know you come in contact with three, four, five other people, you're going to be passing that on. To, to, to your training partner. So I cannot stress enough. If you think you have anything like that, please make sure you get on top of it. So I'm just bring, I just brought up Google here. I'll really quickly go through. So uh, ringworm is typically scaly and maybe red or itchy. Ringworm of the scalp is common in children where it may cause bald patches. Um, so, you know, people can get it from their pets. Cats are bad for it. They get, and you can't see it because it's under their, their hair and you can get it. You might have cats at home or dogs. And before you know it, you've got it, okay? Um, so it says here, people may experience the skin, darkening of the skin, um, fissures, peeling, red rashes or scaly patches. So yeah, generally itchiness is going to be, uh, going to be the thing. Uh, as far as treatment, what we've got for treatment is, uh, any fungal medication. So the same fungus they would give you for foot itch or jock itch, uh, it's the same thing. Okay. It's antifungal. It's a little fungus and it just needs to be killed with that. So any of those across the counter stuff at a chemist will, will kill it. Um, no big, no big issues there. So, um, I would, uh, I would recommend if you, 
if you think you have anything like that, don't just progress to train. Have a little think to yourself, would I like to be training with someone that had something that they weren't telling me about? So just that's it. That's a simple one. Make sure you get on top of that. A couple of days later, you'll be back to training, clean all your gear. What I would do, bud, is definitely tell your coach because then they can they can keep an eye and go, oh, well, three other people had that and try to narrow down maybe who your patient zero is because uh, you might just have someone who's not playing by the rules like you are and before you know it, they're the ones giving it to everybody. So ringworm. The other one that's much less common, I find it's more common in the States but less common here in Australia, is staph. And staph is just a, a viral infection. Uh, sorry, it's a bacterial infection. Let me... Um, let me bring up Google here and I'll, it'll do a better job uh, than I will. There's a few different there's a few different types of staph infection. Uh, I'm not going to go right into all of it, but it's an infection caused by bacteria. Yes, yeah, so, sorry, bacterial, not viral. Commonly found um, on the skin or in the nose. As far as symptoms, uh, include boils, oozing blisters. Staph can also be caused by food poisoning. We're not too worried about that. Um... Sorry, staph can also cause food poisoning, resulting in nausea, vomiting, stomach area. In rare cases, staph infections can turn deadly if the bacteria invades deeper into the body or enters in the bloodstream. So generally, guys, that's not, I'm not, we're not trying to scare everyone here. That's generally not going to be the case. Um, the way, uh, the pain areas are on the, in the abdomen or in the skin, you can get blisters and boils. They look like red sort of, you know, infected. They look like an infected hair follicle. Um, but in really bad cases, can give you diarrhea, vomiting, chills, fever, all this sort of stuff. Um, as far as treatment, it, in, uh, it can include draining the infected area and antibiotics. There is some types of staff that do not respond to antibiotics. That's called MRSA, M-R-S-A, but that is fairly unlikely. So guys, with with um, with staff, the big thing is that it's, it's, so, it's super uncommon. I can't stress this enough. And if you're adhering to all the the clean practices sort of protocols that I'm putting out here, you're going to find that you don't have an issue with it. I've never, I think I may have had staph once. I didn't actually have like a swab taken and it was when I was in New York City and it was um, training at a gym. I had a cut in the bottom of my foot just from training on the mat and I've walked through the bathrooms at one stage. I think I might have walked from the the toilet to where my locker was and I, I didn't have my thongs on. And I'm sure that's where I picked it up. And it ended up being a really sore, throbbing infection. I could barely put my weight on my foot. Once I had some antibiotics, it cleared up within, literally within like 24 hours. So um, it's not the end of the world, but you cannot train if you have anything like this because it'll, it'll spread to other people. So that is why, you know, me, for instance, here at Sydney West Martial Arts, I keep this place like it's a doctor's surgery, probably cleaner than a doctor's surgery. I, I now mop our mats every night. They get swept. So not only mop, they get swept. So all the hair and, and bits and pieces get pulled off the mat. Then they get swept, uh, then they get mopped properly with hot any um, bacterial detergent, um, hospital grade stuff. All the, all the common service areas that people sit on and touch while they're here at training, that all gets wiped down and cleaned as well. If, if you've got your academy owners looking after the academy well, guys, then it's just up to you to keep on top of your game and, and you'll find that this stuff just doesn't happen. Like I'm, I've been training for 14 years, going on 15 this year and I can't stress enough that I haven't had any issues with that stuff. Um, I've had ringworm here and there, which is one that probably most people are going to get at some stage just because you're going to find you're going to train with someone who didn't, who didn't pick it up or didn't tell you. Next thing you've got it. But as long as you are aware of it and straight away you get onto it with any fungal and you don't train, everything's going to be fine. 
So they're the two main things to look out for there. Guys, then we've got things external to skin, which is like just coughs and colds. Maybe maybe you feel yourself getting sick. Everybody here knows what a cold or a flu feels like. Just because you want to train, that's unfair that you come in and then maybe give something to your training partners. So if you've got anything that you think can be passed on to someone else, a sniffly nose, whatever, just don't train. And I know it sucks because we all want to be at training most days. Sometimes you've just got to know when enough's enough, give yourself a rest, and then jump back on board again. So please don't just train through sickness. It's only going to hurt you more, but it's going to give stuff to your training partners too. So um, if there's anything, if you... I don't know, you think, you've, you think you've got food poisoning, you had diarrhea that day because you think you ate something bad. Don't train that night because maybe it wasn't food poisoning, maybe it was a 24-hour bug that you're going to give to other people. So just stay on top of these little things. Just because you want to train, you need to think of the greater good and that's really important for all of us um, and you should be able to trust your training partners. And hopefully if we've got new people and white belts listening to this, you guys won't fall into those traps. Um, so as far as when not to train, I think it's pretty pretty obvious that those times when you think you're real or if you think you have something, and if you can just let you, even if you just send a text to your coach, just saying, look, um, I think I had ringworm on my arm. I'm, I'm not going to train for the next few days until it's gone. Just keep an eye out in case anyone else grabbed it. You know, that just something like would make a big difference to your coach. Even just shoot it to them on, on, on Facebook or whatever. I'm sure most of them are going to be um, perfectly fine, um, fine with that. Um, I feel like I've probably hit a lot of this stuff pretty well, guys. I'm, I can't stress enough that I'm not trying to scare people. We're not trying to. We're not trying to get you to fear training. Training is such a positive and, and, and something that something that just is going to change your life. But if you're being a danger to other people or a danger to yourself, that's not acceptable. In the same way that we have a lot of safe working practices as far as techniques that we allow and how hard we go with each other and, and stuff like that. Same thing with all the hygiene side of things. Guys, if you're not sure on anything, um, I'm always uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, my Instagram is leglockluke.oz, A-U-S. Jump on there and follow me if you would like. I can answer any questions that you got. And if um, we've also got the Sydney West Martial Arts page. So if you've got any questions, guys, please don't hesitate to, to hit me up. Um, send me pictures as long as they're not no dick pics, thanks. I've... Um, I'm uh, all, all filled up with them, but yeah, if you can, in all seriousness, if you've got anything, you think, oh, look, I wonder what this is, shoot me a photo, I might be able to tell you, I'm not saying I'm a doctor, but I might be able to help you out, lead you in the right direction, or ask your own coach, or, um, or go see the doctor. Other than that, guys, I hope you enjoy your training, it's definitely one of the best things you're going to do with your life, is actually using your body to uh, strangle and, and break people's arms and legs, I cannot say how, uh, how fulfilling that is. Um, you're going to really enjoy the, the mental a- aspect of it. You're going to enjoy the physical fitness. You're going to enjoy just being around good people. You're going to find that you're going to drink less. You're going to eat probably a little bit better. And all these things are just a byproduct of just training regularly at a good academy with good people. So if you're in a, if you're in the local Penrith area, come and see us down here at Sydney West Martial Arts. If you're in another area and you're not sure where to go and you're not sure like who should I train with, again, hit me up on Facebook or sorry, hit me up on Instagram and I'll, um, I'll do my best to, to lead you in the direction of people who I see that are legitimate and, and not just people that I have an affiliation with, but just people that I know from around the competition scene and people that I know that are good and, and worth your while. Um, other than that, guys, have a uh, have an awesome time and I hope you enjoyed this little podcast and we'll talk again soon. Bye.